thousand dollars was. Don't you have any Halloween spirit? No. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm Travis. And today we're going to be talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. That's right, John. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. <laughs> Made in 1982. Directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. And some of you may know him from Amityville 2, The Possession, Fright Night Part 2, and he did the TV miniseries of It. Yes, one of my personal favorites. So it was also written by Tommy Lee Wallace. John Carpenter, he was uncredited, and Nigel Neal, who was also uncredited. So there was no small amount of writing drama on this particular movie. John Carpenter said in an interview with Charles Bollinger for the book, uh, John Carpenter, Prince of Darkness, that the original director for Halloween 3 was supposed to be Joe Dante. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, and so he approached Nigel Neal to write a film, write the film while Neal was living in Hollywood and doing a remake of The Creature of the Black Lagoon for John Landis. Huh, I didn't know that either. that movie never got made, and Dante wanted a new and different story than the two previous films, so he suggested that Neil write a treatment around the word Halloween, although based on other reports, John Carpenter had always wanted a different Halloween-themed story for each film. It was going to be like an anthology. Yeah, yeah, So it was all based around Halloween, but, Uh you know, basically a different story every time. The producers liked the idea, and after Joe Dante moved on to another project, John Carpenter's regular collaborator, Tommy Lee Wallace, came in as a new director. Neil initially blamed the drastic change on his script to producer Dino De Laurentiis, mm-hmm. who also did the Evil Dead series. Mm-hmm. Not understanding his dialogue when it was translated to Italian, uh, Neil requested his writing screen credit be removed once his comical mystery screenplay was rewritten by an uncredited carpenter and then later Wallace, who received the sole credit as the writer. Because huh. they wanted it to include more gore and simplified the story. Mm. So, in a, in a panel at the 2013 Years of Terror convention in Pasadena, Tommy Lee Wallace was asked by the moderator to explain, as the sole credited screenwriter, the connection between, spoilers, <laughs> the different components, we'll say that, uh-huh. in this. And his entire response was, it's magic, man. <laughs> so that's how he explained his script. Okay, Sure. <laughs> So, interesting beginning. And this is not the only one. I've already started researching some of the other movies that we're going to do. And apparently, there's always drama surrounding oh, yeah. Yeah, for a sure. Halloween especially, script. Especially when you get to part five. Like, that's... Well, maybe part six is worse. But, yeah, there's definitely been drama surrounding everything from part two and on. Especially with the Thorn trilogy, which we'll dive into later. Well, number four, which I've already started on since we're doing that one next, mm-hmm. is pretty bad. Yeah. But it's it was all... Uh, Mustafa Akkad that got involved with it. Yeah. So he was basically like, I just want Michael Myers to kill people. I don't care about anything else. I just want him to kill people. Like, right, but it was bad he enough. He was a that big on, fan of that formula. Right, but on number four, it got bad enough that that's when John Carpenter and Debbie, what was her name? I can't remember. Anyway, they basically sold out their rights to the movie after that. Yeah. So always drama when it comes to a Halloween script. Right. So cast and crew in this one, we've it stars Tom Atkins as Daniel oh, Chalice. The, the national treasure, the best man alive, the legendary mustache. His mustache is secondary to Tom Selleck's. I knew you were going to say and that. And Sam Elliott's. I knew you were going to say that. So he's a third place, no. maybe. No, I don't think so. Have you seen Sam Elliott's mustache? Yeah, okay, you got nobody, me. Nobody can you got me. You got me there. All right, there you go. <laughs> All right. Anyway, but Tom Atkins was also in The Fog and Escape from New York. He's been in a ton of different stuff. I mean, Creepshow. He did Creepshow as so, well. So, a movie that I feel is completely underrated that does not get any credit is Night of the Creeps. 
Tom Atkins is just pure gold in that movie. Like, I had never seen that movie before and watched it just, I guess, last year. And I was like, where has this movie been all my life, for one? And two, why aren't more people talking about this movie? Because he's just a fucking legend in that movie. Well, maybe when October's over, we need to add that to the list. But <laughs> sure. at any rate, I, this is a very, 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 very short list for Tom Atkins because the dude's been in a ton of stuff. A lot oh, of yeah. it was TV. I think he usually plays a cop uh, or a PI or something like that. He was, yeah. he was in the Rockford Files. I've never heard of that. <laughs> You've never seen the Rockford <laughs> no. Files? Oh, shit. I used to watch that when I was a kid. Well, there's like three years between us, so. Yep. Ugh. So, I, I think of Tom Atkins, I think, yeah, Halloween 3, Night of the Creeps. Escape from New York. Maniac Cop. Yeah, Escape from New York. And then, of course, they brought him back for um, My Bloody Valentine remake. So, yeah. Dude's just, like I said, he's a national treasure. <laughs> that's, that's one of my um, old man boyfriends. <laughs> so, before we get too sidetracked, there were other people in this movie than Tom Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> Not as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, Stacy Nelkin played Ellie Grimbridge, and Dan, I'm going to get this last name wrong. O'Hurley? You're interrupting. <laughs> Dan O'Hurley, I think, plays Connell Cochran in Robocop! This now, I know him from The Last Starfighter. I don't know if you ever watched that. Like no, I did not. Come on TBS. But, but anyway. I, I do know that Lance Guest was in that, and he was also in Halloween 2. Right. But Dan also did Robocop and Robocop 2, and he was in Woo-woo! Twin Peaks. Yes, he was in Twin Peaks. He was... Oh, my gosh. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. But he... Oh, Andrew. Andrew Packard. He was Josie's husband that she... Like well, he thought, faked his death. Yeah. But listen, Twin Peaks is not something we can get into right you now. Know That's what? way too complicated. You know what? Twin Peaks is gospel. Okay? We would have to do a whole season dedicated to nothing. To Maybe Peaks. we should. But that's really most of the characters in this movie, the actors that you would know probably from other stuff. Yeah. Uh, the only other one of note, and I, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, is Garn Stevens. She plays no. Marge, which is a tiny role in this movie. But what's significant about her is that she was actually married to Tom Atkins at the time of filming. Okay, but you're so, you are false because Nancy Keys is in this movie, and she plays Tom Atkins' wife. She was Annie bracket in how the first halloween so she is definitely probably more of note than most people in this movie okay i missed that one hey jerk speed kills (laughs) (laughs) so some of the notes on halloween three um and i I don't want to get too crazy about some of the tech stuff but it was really interesting to me i learned some new stuff about these so it opened theatrically on october of 1982 which was the same weekend as first blood so wonderful movie it is a wonderful movie (laughs) but halloween 3 grossed a total of 14 million four hundred thousand in the u.s which was at the time it was the worst performing halloween movie in the franchise right and there were several other horror films that premiered in 1982 that performed way better including poltergeist friday the 13th part three and creep show so the good news is halloween 3 didn't stay on bottom because later halloween 5 will replace it as the worst (laughs) halloween movie with good reason well worst halloween movie when it comes to financial performance at the box office so critically halloween 3 did not do well at all yeah the overall response was negative the new york Mm -hmm. times reviewer vincent canby struggled to apply a definite label to to the film's content he said that halloween 3 manages the not easy feat of being anti-children anti-capitalism anti-television and anti-irish all at the same time (sighs) for fuck's sake roger ebert wrote 
that the film was a low-rent thriller from the first frame. It's one of those identikit movies assembled out of familiar parts from other, better movies. And then he included this film on his most hated list, which you can find on their website. So lame. But this is where it's going to hurt your heart. It includes Uh Cyborg. (gasps) No! Constantine, which you won't care about. Critters 2. Resident Evil, Resident Evil Apocalypse, and Hellraiser 2. (gasps) are all on his most hated list. Oh, he's wrong. But the reason that most critics and fans disliked the film was because they were disappointed that Michael Myers wasn't in it. Of course. However, it has gained a cult following among some audiences. As well it should. So there's been some people really dig into this movie, and there's a historian named Nicholas Rogers who points out the anti-corporate message uh, mm-hmm. that's involved here mm-hmm. where you get an otherwise successful businessman that seeks to promote a more robotic future for commerce and manufacture. Cochran's astrological obsessions and psychotic hatred of children overrode his business. Sense. I'm still Tony... pissed off about Cyborg. <laughs> like, that movie is the best. Tony Williams argues that the film's Long plot signified the results of the victory of patriarchal corporate control. So... Martin Harris wrote some stuff, too, about an ongoing cynical commentary on American consumer culture. Uh, some people hated it because Michael Myers weren't in it, and then you had others that liked it because they were reading a bunch of well, and it political was and societal stuff into different. it. different. You know, if they had gone on and made this an anthology, I think that would have been totally badass. So listen, on when we did Tales from the Hood, I, I talked about how I have a hard time with anthology films because... For the most part, they you know you get an hour, hour and a half with them with the characters. If that, but it's divided into you know four or five different parts, and so you don't really get to know the characters in any one of those shorts. Uh-huh. Now, had they done this the way John Carpenter intended it, where every one of them was yeah, uh, you know, an 80, 90 minute, even two hour mm-hmm. potentially movie as part of a larger anthology, but within that hour, hour and a half, you get to spend the time with the characters and like them, <sighs> hate them, whatever it is care about what the ending looks like i could have gotten into an anthology like that. i just feel like the way they wrapped up halloween 2 was very conclusive they wrapped it up very well and i won't well, i mean when we cover halloween 4 i did a lot of research on that one and they really struggled to overcome the ending of halloween 2 right i can imagine and, and like, we'll talk about that when you we guys get are there. gonna get blown up in a room and you're gonna come back with just some like little menial scars well like <laughs> listen there's okay. a whole there's a whole story behind that we'll have to get we'll have to get into that one later right. but so overall ratings wise imdb it's a five out of ten and metascore gives it a 50 so both of those are you know half and half half the people like it half the people hate it rotten tomatoes gives it a 41 percent. they're wrong they're all wrong i mean that's just how it is but you didn't see this... Did Was this your first time watching it this week? It was not the first time I've watched it. It's probably the first time I've watched it and paid attention. I, I've watched it like three times now. I'd only watched it once before. We watched it a couple times getting ready yeah. for this. I remember watching this as a teenager. Um, my granny had it on VHS, which, oh my God, if she still has it, I'm totally going to raid her shit and take it. But I remember watching it at her house, like I said, on VHS. And I thought basically like everybody else does. I'm like, where the fuck is Michael Myers? What the hell's going on here? And so at the time, 
And I, I probably wasn't more than 15 or 16 years old. So at the time I didn't get it. And I didn't know, you know, what John Carpenter's intention was for the series. So I wouldn't say that I was pissed, you know, like most people have gotten. But there was definitely a thing of where the hell is he? But now as an adult, obviously, I have learned to appreciate it for what it is. It's such a bizarre movie. It's um, it's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers almost. So it was actually supposed to be more of a pod movie. Yeah. Not a slasher. Yeah. And that's, again, part of the reason that people didn't like it. Yeah. But as an adult, I love it for that now, that it's it's different. You know, it's something that stands out from the rest. And as a sequel, it's certainly not worse than any of the ones that followed it, for damn sure. I mean, I am a fan of part four, obviously, um, as I talked about last week, but... It's a very good movie, and a lot of people will say, well, hey, yeah, it's a great movie. Just don't call it a Halloween movie. And that's fair, I guess. If this had been a standalone, I don't know that it would have done as well, you know, in, in the cult following that it has now. But well, honestly, they probably sold a lot of those tickets because they put the Halloween label on it. Right. With the number three behind it. And right. people were expecting to get Michael Myers. Yeah, they're like, what is this? What, witches? Like, what's going on here? But from what I saw on the... Uh, sort of the production notes and history behind this thing, they never put it out there that Michael Myers was in it. Right. So when they were promoting this film, they, they I didn't see anything that they went in to intentionally mislead the audience into thinking this was another Michael Myers no, film. No, no. Yes, it was the third in a series of movies. Mm-hmm. Nothing there indicated that Michael was going to be in it. If and anything, hey. the, the trailers and such kind of pointed to the fact that he wasn't in it. If you so, want to get all technical, technically Michael Myers is in the movie. <laughs> well... <laughs> As is Laurie yeah. Strode. <laughs> yeah, they are. If you count the ad on the TV and then the movie playing later is Chalice is tied up. <laughs> right. I think that's a spoiler, though, so we probably should go ahead and do the spoiler review. Oh, shit. You got me. And now it's time for your obligatory spoiler warning. We don't just spoil movies here. They are spoiled rotten. So listen at your own risk or turn back now. So we open up on our credits with, you see these pixelated lines showing, and eventually they end up revealing a jack-o'-lantern, and I guess it's on a computer. I remember computers like that. (laughs) You don't, but I do. Really cool, really different. I mean, obviously, nothing's creepier than, you know, zooming in slowly to that jack-o'-lantern in the first movie. But this was a different take, and obviously, just from these credits alone, you know that you're getting into something different. So I don't hate it. It's pretty good. But we see a man running under an overpass in Northern California. He's being chased by a car. So he hides in a nearby junkyard and then he's found by a strange man in a suit. Very uh, Smith looking from the Matrix. And he starts getting strangled. Like um, the old man starts getting strangled by this guy in the suit. And he attempts to pull this chain from another car and he ends up causing this uh, car to roll. And this part just cracks me up so much. He pulls this car and the car starts rolling and he hits this guy and he just has the very oh reaction. It's gonna, it's gonna be the most boring look I've ever seen on, a, on the face of someone getting killed in a movie. That's literally what he does. He gets squished. He's just like which is what I imagine I would do. He had the same look on his face that you'd have like when your your football team loses. (laughs) I don't know. It was just kind of like a, well, damn it, (laughs) sort of look. 
And then when it squishes him, he just like, I'll take a nap now. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just, just sort of lays over. He does. <laughs> anyway, so another man exits the car in pursuit, but the man gets away. The old man. So an hour later, we cut to a gas station where an attendee is watching the news on a story revealing that the blue stone of Stonehenge was stolen nine months ago, and they still have no clues to its whereabouts. Okay, I feel like I need to clarify something <laughs> for historical reasons there. So you've got your sarsen stones there, which are the great big ones that weigh up to like 25 tons, and then the blue stones, plural, <laughs> which are the smaller stones, which weigh Sorry. two to five tons. Stones? Well, I want to be clear that there's not just <laughs> one called the blue stone. <laughs> all right, laugh all you want. History's okay, important, sorry. damn it. I'm sorry, it's the way you said it. Anyway, and then later in the movie, well, we'll get to that. But, yeah, so there's not one specific stone at Stonehenge called the Blue Stone. The blue uh-huh. Stone is the type of stone they use for the smaller stones, which weigh between two and five tons. Okay. Now that I've bored everyone, please continue. <laughs> so, anyway, the news goes to a break, and an ad comes on. And if you know this movie as well as I do, you know exactly what fucking ad it is. It's a jingle singing Eight More Days to Halloween. And I will not bother you guys with attempting to sing that jingle. Please don't. (laughs) But it's telling the kids to pick up the new Silver Shamrock Halloween masks, the big three. Which is not the big three we're used to. So, so hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me let me bore you with some more facts because okay. I think that's kind of gonna that's gonna be my shtick. Like the more we do this, the more I figure out where I belong in this thing. I'm the useless facts person. You need to be the one doing all the. Yeah, you know. no, we're, we'll take turns. Like you need we to be the showrunner. I'll yeah, no. just. Nobody facts. likes me. You're the one with the good radio voice, remember? So the remember? Silver Shamrock song, <laughs> Don't Push Your Luck, is actually set to London Bridges Falling Down. Right. And the only reason they picked it is because it was public domain and it was free. Oh, okay. So they built the song around that so they could save money. Wow. Cheap I mean, asses. makes sense, but I mean, these were... These that were... sounds like some cheap shit I would do, though. <laughs> anyway, there's three big masks to choose from. They're fun... They're frightening, and they glow in the dark. Ooh. So, lightning flashes, and the power goes out. So, a storm begins, and the attendee gets up to find out what the hell is going on, and he could, because he's hearing noises outside, when he's suddenly jumped from behind by the man that was being pursued by the men in suits earlier. He pulls out a jack-o'-lantern mask, and he says, they're coming, before he passes out. So we see that the attendee is obviously taking this old guy to the hospital, or presumably to the hospital, and we see one of the suited men watching from the shadows. So then we are introduced to Dan Chalice, man's man extraordinaire. Third runner up on mustaches. (laughs) And he's going to visit his children and clearly exasperated ex-wife. He has he has a paper bag with him, and he brought them masks. So you know what would have made this movie better? What? If they had played like 70s porno music every time he was on screen. Oh, that would be epic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he pulls out these masks, and the kids' greedy little shits that they are are like, but we already have masks. Like, Okay, so I missed it. Who bought the masks? Did the ex-wife buy the masks, or did the ex-wife's boyfriend by the masks which ones the silver shamrock masks that they had she did she bought them okay yeah and there it's kind of implied 
because later on she gives him the sign like, well, you're just jealous. <laughs> so clearly there's a little bit of unspoken competition going on here. Got some one-upsmanship going on Yeah. There. So he's, they inform him, well, they've heard, we already got masks. And so they take out their silver shamrock mask and they start singing the jingle. I don't have to sing it, do I? Please don't. Like, I'm I'm way too... <laughs> You've had too many margaritas to sing. <laughs> so, he attempts some small talk with his ex-wife, and it goes over as well as you expect it to. But he suddenly gets beat, and we don't know by who yet, but he uh, goes to grab her phone as the kids watch the ad again on TV. Do you remember that when you were a kid? Like the 80, late 80s, early 90s? You wouldn't remember the late 80s as much as I would. They had commercials for different toys and different movies. And if it was geared Excuse toward kids. Excuse me. I was born in 83. I remember more of the 80s than you think. Okay, so in 89, <laughs> I was nine and you would have been six. Okay, but still, so, I remember plenty. But you remember those, like, they would, like, <laughs> Toys R Us commercials uh-huh. played, like, every 15 minutes, no matter what. Right. Like, every commercial break, you were going to get a Toys R Us commercial. If there was a movie coming out where they were pushing kids' toys. Yeah. Like, all the time. Yeah. So it, it feels like when you're just watching it, if you weren't a kid back then, mm-hmm. that they're really overdoing the, the promotion of yeah. these masks. But damn it, I was there. And they did that <laughs> shit. I don't think like I Ninja remember. Turtles. Ninja Turtles were a big deal when I was a kid. <laughs> As it and was mine. I'll be damned if they didn't run Ninja Turtle commercial like I every get, five seconds. I guess I don't remember ads being run over and over and over like that unless it was a Saturday morning. Yeah. And, and when I think back on those days... I look back on it and I thank God for streaming services where you can skip that shit. <laughs> well, it's just different times we live in. Do you know in. how much shit we'd have to buy if our kids could see commercials? I don't know that we would, honestly, because when our kids, or our older kids were little, they were still living in that time where they would watch Nick Jr. during the day and they would show ads for toys, but... I don't know. It's Which is obviously... why we were keeping Nickelodeon's merchandise division in business. <laughs> right. We bought all the Backyardigans and Blue's Clues things. Every damn bit of it. <laughs> but no, kids are just different now. And that's, you know, Isabel doesn't require nearly as many toys as the older two did. So. Do you remember when Frozen came out? <laughs> True. Do you remember Frozen now? and My Little Pony. <laughs> oh my God. True. True, true. Could okay. we be buying more ponies? <laughs> Okay, Chandler. <laughs> anyway, we digress, of course. But he gets this page and he suddenly has to take off. But so from that, we learn that Chalice is an emergency room doctor. Whoa, that's good. Because it used to be the only time the only time people got paged <laughs> they were pimps or drug dealers. Anyway. Which with that mustache, he could go either way. <laughs> So we see um, Chalice in the ER and he's being taken to the man that we saw being chased earlier. And they say he's in stable condition, but he is at the time unconscious until he is awakened by the jingle on TV. Okay. I feel like I got to do it one time. No, you don't. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> It's like eight more days till okay, Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. I can insert the jingle into this recording. <laughs> no, they want to hear me sing. Not really, but still. <laughs> Who is they? I don't. Our listeners. Anyway, so this jingle is playing and it wakes the guy up and he weakly tells Chalice, they're going to kill us, all of us. And Chalice is like, get this guy some Thorazine. 
or whatever. She so, used the same drug that they prescribed to Michael in the first one. Yeah, yeah, did she? Because um, the nurse told him that he wouldn't be able to. What was it? He wouldn't be able to stand, and he, he's like, "That's pretty much exactly well, the way we want it." That's not the point. It's the point that doctors just prescribe the same shit. Doesn't matter who you are. Just give him the same shit. Same shit. Pushing drugs for big pharma. Well, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm sorry. Is <laughs> one time when I chopped my fingertips off and got to get morphine. Morphine. I'm not gonna complain. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, outside the hospital, we see one of the suited men approaching. The Smiths. The Smiths. Not to be confused with the band, the Smiths. <laughs> I am the Smith. Anyway, um, so Chalice checks in on the old man, and one of many times in this film that he flirts with somebody, he first starts flirting with this nurse, an older lady, and slaps her on the ass. That woman's old enough to be his mother. <laughs> like, he has no shame. <laughs> really did he's just gonna get it where the getting's good different times man different times so i'm pretty sure now he'd be sued into non-existence <laughs> right but i couldn't believe he slapped the nurse on the ass <laughs> I know. what's worse she slaps him back i know different times like i said but i mean if it's just me get a pop on the ass by tom atkins i'm like hey <laughs> you'd tackle him after that. I, yeah probably <laughs> Anyway, so he says he's going to go take a nap. And we see that the suited man is kind of lurking through the hospital. And he starts approaching the old man and putting on gloves, as you do. And he goes into his nose. His nose? <laughs> he does go into his nose. He but... does technically go into his nose. <laughs> but what I mean is he goes into his room, right? Yeah. And he grabs, like, right on the... It's like he reaches in through the eye sockets and grabs underneath the bridge of his nose and yeah. pulls it up. Yeah, it's it's very weird, very, I don't okay, know. Okay, so I have, a, I have, I don't want to say a complaint about it, but it's just an observation. So throughout this entire movie, the androids get very creative with their kills. They don't know they're androids yet. Shh. We already gave the spoiler warning. <laughs> they're fucking androids. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But they exercise an autonomy of thought that you wouldn't expect from an android. Okay. They get creative with shit. They're like fucking Bob Ross of killing people, okay? If you say so. And I, I guess they're good at it. They are particularly sadistic about the way they kill people. Yeah. Like it would have been easy to just snap the dude's neck. Yeah. But instead, he reaches inside his eye sockets and pulls the like face he, bones up. He gave him a nose job. He did. <laughs> but it's just... I don't know. So, and I, then, I don't, I don't what, feel like they explore that part in, in this movie enough. So then what cracks me up is that he goes to clean his gloves on the hospital room curtains. Fucking just wipe them up. <laughs> like, ew. Dude, you got like an Intel processor in you and that's the smartest, like, I'm just going to clean them on the curtains. <laughs> I guess. Actually, what would that have been back then? Like a Pentium 1? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. If that's the case, he's not that smart. Never mind. <laughs> So the nurse uh, walks in as the man is leaving, and of course she starts screaming as she discovers the body and wakes Chalice up from his nap. Because that's what ER doctors do. <laughs> right? Naps. Right? Or they play fucking SpongeBob on. Slap nurses on the ass and take a nap. Should have wear you up. <laughs> so he starts to pursue the guy into the parking lot. And this was, the, I remember watching this for the first time and thinking this was the strangest fucking scene. Because at this point, you, you don't know that they're androids. 
So he watches the guy get into the car, douse himself with fucking gasoline, and light himself on fire. And then That's the car... what you thought was weird about that? Yeah, I, well, the first time I was watching okay. it, yes. So, <laughs> that a doctor would chase this guy who just killed someone into the parking lot, that's weird. Yeah. I really feel like that wouldn't have happened. I feel like he would have run to a nurse's station and called the police. Probably. I don't think he would have followed the murderer. But it's Tom Atkins, so he's a hero. But again, okay, <laughs> so he's reacting the way he would have, like in the Rockford Files, not the way a doctor would react. <laughs> he's channeling James Garner. Oh, shit. So yeah, he he lights himself on fire and the car like explodes. And I mean, it's like reliving Ben Tramer's death from part two all over again. <laughs> Not that you know what that means. I have no idea what because you're, you're about a right horrible now. person. Well, you haven't covered that one, so I haven't really watched it. <laughs> anyway, so the next thing we do is we cut to Chalice calling his wife to let her know that he can't pick up the kids. She's obviously upset. And this is just one of many times that Chalice is going to blow off his kids in favor of something else. So just be prepared for that. But he explains, and this time he's telling the truth, that it's utter chaos at the hospital and makes plans to get them, I think he said Saturday night or something. And he sees, he he catches that mask, the jack-o'-lantern mask that the old man was hanging on to. So we cut to the next day, which is Sunday the 24th, in the murdered man's room. And a young woman shows up and asks what happened to her father, or asks to see her father, see his body, and then is like, what the fuck? Like, what happened to my dad? So they say it was probably drug dealers. Or, no, not drug dealers. Say there's somebody on drugs. Okay, but she reacts the same way a normal person would to that sheriff. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? Drugs? Yeah. Like, that's the best you got? Well, I always crack up at her face, and I realize that it's her dad. Okay, hang on, though. <laughs> She's like, Stop what right happened? There. Right there. Stop right there. So before you say anything about her reaction, according to Roger Ebert. <laughs> She was the best part of this movie. Uh, that's only because, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I think maybe he thought by saying that he'd get in her pants. I mean, it worked for Woody Allen, so uh, maybe he thought it worked for him. Let's not fucking go there. Hey, she dated the guy. Not uh, me. Not, gross. Yeah. So gross. And I don't know that she was 18 when she did it. Uh, yeah, let's not get into that bullshit. Uh, so there's a whole movie on, what, Netflix? Is it Netflix or Prime? No, HBO Max. HBO Max. You should totally watch it. It's about how Woody Allen's an asshole. Watch yeah, it. basically. In a nutshell. But anyway, so the cops want her to kind of stay nearby during the investigation. They're just like, hang out, whatever. And Chalice is leaving his shift at this point, And he sees Ellie. He sees her crying, but he's like, meh. The <laughs> goes on. He, he hasn't moved into the I'm going to go comfort her mode yet. <laughs> well. Don't be gross. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> We'll get there. Spoilers. We'll get there. Anyway, a few days later, which is now October 27th, back at the hospital in the which, coroner's office. Pause. By the way, for those of you wondering, this was actually the 1982 calendar when they shot it. It is chronologically correct. The dates oh, and the days and dates that they show in there are chronologically accurate for the year that this movie was made. Hmm. So anyway, <laughs> Chalice is asking about the case with the assistant coroner, a woman named Teddy, like I said, about the case. And she, at this point doesn't know anything the way the man was murdered seems odd and that's pretty much all they got at this point so 
Chalice urges her to investigate, but she says that she can't do that, but will do what she can after some kind of, again, mild flirtation. (laughs) So later we cut to Chalice at the bar having a drink, smoking, and watching cartoons. And he asks the bartender to change the channel, and it's changed to a channel running an ad for the immortal classic Halloween, followed by an ad for, again, Silver Shamrock. But Chalice is annoyed and wants the channel changed again. And at this point, Ellie shows up and introductions are made between the two of them. And she asks him, or thanks him for attending the funeral and wants to know if her father said anything to him before he died. And he lies, you know, he's trying to be sweet and he says, tell Ellie. He's trying to get in her pants. He says, tell Ellie that I love her. But... She knows that that's bullshit, and he explain he ends up going over the night's events to her. So we cut to Ellie taking Chalice to a store that her father owned, and it's a toy and novelty store. And she reveals she's investigating her father's murder and indicates that her father needed to pick up an order of silver shamrock masks. And he ran into trouble into Santa Mira, which is where the plant is. And that- so that's actually also the same setting as Invasion of the Body Snatchers that was filmed in 1956. Same Winky-dink? I think so. Well, this was supposed to be a pod movie. (laughs) Anyway, so we go to the next scene where Chalice is once again blowing off his children in favor of something else more exciting. And he's got a six pack. (laughs) Yeah, what is it, Miller Light or Miller High Life? Miller High Life. (laughs) Yeah, so he's got a six pack Miller High Life when he's at the payphone. I sure go for Miller High Life right now. (laughs) Because that's what's necessary for research. (laughs) So he's blaming this on... A work-related issue, obviously. It was just going to be a bunch of boring doctor's meetings and stuff like that. But, obviously, he's really off to go on this adventure with Ellie. So, they make their way to Santa Mira, discussing the town history, which I will not go into. But, the town, it's very gloomy looking. The people are kind of off, you know what I mean? They're just, you saw that they were just kind of... Well, they refer to it as a company town. Yeah. Where, I guess, the entire... The entire town was built up around it, which I, that's not something that really happens now, but I guess back in the day, it was a thing where they would have like a gold mine and then the company that owned it would build a bunch of towns or a bunch of uh, houses to house the workers. And it happened in other industries as well, mm-hmm. which actually this was the, the, the Silver Shamrock factory and this one's actually a pulp, a paper pulp factory mm-hmm. uh, that they used for the, the Silver Shamrock mask factory in this movie. But Yeah, but you know what I mean? They're all like looking at them through the windows or I think one of the masked guys was like waiting in an alley in the shadows and like it's very, very creepy. There's a lot of really, yeah, just creepy behavior yeah. from the townspeople. Yeah, very sketch. It's almost like trolls. Yeah, yeah, like Trolls 2. Yeah. Yeah, all exactly. The people in the town are just watching them like everybody's in on it except for the two people that are coming in. Yeah, yeah. It's like no bug. <laughs> anyway, they uh, they find the plant, but before going there, they decide, obviously, like, we need a plan before we go here. And so they decide that they're going to get a hotel room so that they can talk in private. And pose as husband and wife. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we know what they're going to do and- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, Ellie goes in and, you know, she stopped by the hotel attendant or manager and he's leading her to the room with Chalice uses this opportunity to sneak off and go look at the hotel guest book. And they say that, uh, oh, there's a car going by and he's like, oh, that's, uh, 
Connell or Mr. Cochran, Connell Cochran, and the car is driving by very slowly and suspiciously. So we already get the indication that this, you know, there's something evil there's afoot. A, there's a very palpable distrust of outsiders in this town. Yes. But also, at the point where Chalice sneaks away, mm-hmm. and he sneaks a look at the register to see if her father had ever checked into this motel, because I guess it's the only one in town. And sure enough, he had checked mm-hmm. into this motel. But allegedly, and I didn't go back to verify this or anything, but when you go through the list of names on the hotel register, apparently all the other names on the list are names of the crew. Now, I, I could have gone back and watched the movie and paused it and researched so that it didn't, but that's just one of those rumor things that, are, that go with this movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. So an RV pulls up right about this time, and a couple and their child come out. And You then... know, the way that thing pulled up, I would have expected Dennis Quaid to get out. <laughs> Dennis Quaid? You mean Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid, whatever. (laughs) Vegas vacation. Chris's vacation. (laughs) Well, both of them, actually. (laughs) Yeah, but um, shitter's full. (laughs) Sorry. So, they come out and they have a child, and then right about that time, another woman pulls up in a car, and she's complaining about an order mix-up, and this actress was played by Tom Atkins' first wife. At the time, correct? Yes. Garn Stevens. Yeah. And she's complaining about an order mix-up and having to stay at this shithole again. And so when Chalice comes back, he tells Ellie that her dad did in fact stay in the hotel. And they agree to go ahead and spend the night. And then they have some back and forth on the sleeping arrangements. And I can't remember specifically where he said he was going to sleep. Like he could sleep in the floor. Well, or... on the floor in the car. And, yeah. And she says, where do you want to sleep? And he says, <laughs> that's a stupid question. <laughs> yeah. Where do you want to sleep? <laughs> yeah, like that is a stupid question. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so we see another kind of creepy thing where the town starts to shut down for a curfew. And the it was town. Like 6 p.m. too. Yeah. It was weirdly early. Yeah. And it becomes like, you know, most, most, especially we're at, town starts to shut down, I would say, eight, nine o'clock. And we're in a we're in a bigger town, too. Like, we're close to Fort Worth, and we still shut down pretty early, for uh, the most part. I don't know what time everything closes, but definitely by, say, 9 o'clock, the streets yeah. are pretty well rolled up. Yeah. There's um, a couple of places in town still open. Well, your major that, restaurants are open, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, but after 9 o'clock, you're, you're really down to a couple of restaurants, what, Racetrack and an Allsup's? Yeah. I mean... Chili's. <laughs> that's about it. And by... Taco Bell. By 11, it's done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So... We see these cameras up along different buildings. Oh and yeah, businesses. they got surveillance cameras everywhere. Yeah, in this town. it's a, it's all very creepy. And while Chalice is out, he picks up some liquor, as you do. And uh, as he's walking, a bum jumps out out of nowhere and asks for asks for a drink. Because he told him that bottle's looking pretty heavy. <laughs> trying to remember if I've ever said that to anyone. <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe. Anyway, so Chalice uses the opportunity to ask him what he knows about Cochrane. The man says he hasn't got anything nice to say about him and basically warns him about the cameras and that he's got these plans to burn the factory down. So this guy's basically the doom and gloom character from every other movie. <laughs> You're doomed. Like in Dagon, do you remember the the old man that was, he, he was the... Uh, like the lone resistance person. Right. You know what I mean? And Ralph, 
I think it was Ralph. Crazy and, Ralph. Uh, Sorry. that That's immediately where my mind went to. So he's the doomsayer in this movie. It's got a death curse. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, then um, once they part ways, the bum goes to his hideout, but is met by a couple of the suits who proceed to rip his head off at the shoulders. See, that's what I mean. These androids, <laughs> spoilers, get way more creative than they should. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, what did this guy do exactly? Was it just because he ran his mouth to Chalice? Because, I mean, the guy's older, so he's obviously been hiding for some time. And they, with the surveillance cameras, they had to know he was there. So we cut to Ellie returning to the hotel and is startled by Marge, who is the woman who showed up before lone and complaining about her order and having to stay. And she starts bitching about the mask business and... Um, she says the quality's becoming real shoddy. Like, look, the tags are just coming right off. And they But par- granted, her kids are throwing against the wall. True. She does include that. <laughs> <laughs> True. Our kids tear up shit all the time. But then at that point, Marge goes to her room. And then we start cutting between Ellie and Marge. And Ellie is taking a shower. And Marge is reading in her bed. And Chalice is following up with Teddy, the coroner's assistant. But at this point, they still have nothing except some plastic ashes. Well, she says that there was a mistake made. And I don't know if this is the point in the movie where she says that or not. But at one point, and I think this is it, she said somebody got the bags mixed up. And they've been investigating or researching parts from the car and not from the body. Yeah, so at this point, Chalice returns to the hotel room and <laughs> Ellie pretty much seduces him. So they get down with the get down. Meanwhile, Marge, getting ready to sleep, sees the tag or notices the tag laying on the floor. Well, it's like a pog. <laughs> sort of. It's a pog with some circuitry on the back. Yeah, and she picks it up and starts fucking with it. Um, She takes a hairpin out of her hair and starts to poke at it when all of a sudden this laser shoots right into her face. So Chalice and Ellie hear the commotion, but they're too busy. He's busy. They're they're getting it while they're getting good. He is occupied. (laughs) He is a a purpose-focused man. So they are not even bothered, which is so funny. Actually, he says, who cares? Yeah. If you think about it, you know... That's his real life wife getting fucked up in the other room. I wonder how that went. Like, did they film those scenes at the same time? And that love scene is so awkward. He spends way too much time. He spends some times on the boobies. Yeah. So and it makes it's me very... wonder, did they shoot those at the same time where like his real life wife is next door getting killed oh, and man. he's on the job? I don't care if we're acting or not. I would like take off a shoe and go into that room and start beating you with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> act or not i'm just like beating the hell out of you with my shoe (laughs) i would expect that (laughs) but anyway marge's face is all the way fucked up and did you know that she actually refused to wear the prosthetics for that no the actress did Uh uh-uh she refused so they had to bring a body double for that scene really yeah because she would not put on all the makeup she wouldn't go through all that shit wow they had to bring in a double to play this the death scene i always feel like given the opportunity i would absolutely be like listen it's a shorter list of things i won't do (laughs) exactly exactly i would love to to get get that that. check every year oh yeah well no not that i wouldn't even have to have the money oh no it's all about the money For me, the idea of just getting to be in a movie with that, you know, makeup and stuff would be absolutely fucking awesome. So, but anyway. only if you get that check every year. <laughs> anyway, 
And then we see a bug crawl out of her mouth and then see some movement under her blankets while there's hissing noises. So later on, a car awakens uh, Chalice and Ellie as they see a van and man carrying Marge's body out of the hotel room. And Chalice, he, he's like, I'm a doctor and he's trying to offer his assistance. And of course, they're blowing him off. They're shooting him away, assuring him that she's going to get the best medical help from Cochrane. Well, at the factory. They're yes, at the, the factory. factory. So let me just tell you, I've worked in a factory and they got shit for medical care in most of them. <laughs> just saying. I don't think they had any actual medical. No, stuff. they were just hiding the body. <laughs> but that's not the point. Right. So Cochran shows up and reassures everybody everything's going to be okay and she's going to get the best uh, care possible. And they have emergency care waiting for her to show up. So we then see Cochran and those guys walking off and he's basically like, what the fuck happened, guys? Like, what the hell? And they leave back to the factory. He, you know, there's a bunch of trucks or vans and then him following his car or well, you know, somebody's driving him in a car. And at this point, Chalice and Ellie are like, let's get the fuck out of here. But they ultimately decide that they would still rather find out what the hell happened to her dad. So Chalice calls Teddy again. And now Teddy is suspicious because there are no human remains from the exploded car. And so at that point, he asks her, well, go ahead and look into Connell Cochran. So... Uh, the next day, Chalice and Ellie go to the Silver Shamrock factory to find out about her dad's mask order and where he went. They're met by the family that showed up in the RV and they're there to see Cochran and are about to leave when Cochran comes in to greet that family. Well, because he's like the number one salesman of the year yes. or some shit like that for yes. Silver Shamrock masks. Yeah. And he brought his bratty ass problem child kid with him. <laughs> Anyway, so Cochran uses that opportunity to tell, tell Chalice and Ellie that Marge is going to be fine. She's being flown to, a, to another hospital and that Ellie's father is going to be replaced completely for free. And he asked the family if they, you know, they're there for a tour, I guess. But the guy says, well, hey, our friends here, meaning uh, Chalice and Ellie, can they go too? And Cochran reluctantly allows them to come along. Well, you can tell they put him on the spot. Yeah. And so he said yes, but only because there were witnesses. Like, you get that. Right. In, in different circumstances, he would have said, fuck you. Yeah. But in this one, he kind of had to say yes. Yeah. So then at that point, uh, Cochran is leading everybody through the factory, showing them how the mask process works. And the boy's wanting a mask really bad, but Cochran won't let him have one off the assembly line. Well, you know, he could have had one. Yeah. The kid could have because they actually contracted Don Post Studios to make these masks. And they were actually, the uh, the Skull and the Witch were masks they already made. The, huh. the pumpkin was the only one they did originally for this movie. So they took original masks and recolored them for the wow. movie. And then they sold them after the fact to promote this movie. Dude, I want my hands on those masks so bad okay, I Okay, those things are fucking it. stupid expensive. I know they are, but we've got three kids. Exactly. They make some fucking more stupid expensive. <laughs> it works out perfectly. No. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So I've I've said for years, like, either I want our kids to go as those characters from Halloween 3 or as Lock, Stock, and Barrel from The Nightmare Before I Christmas. I vote Lock, Stock, and Barrel. <laughs> I vote these. At least it was a higher grossing movie. <laughs> anyway, but 
Cochran would rather the boy have one that's already packaged with the tag on it. And he goes ahead and puts the mask on the boy. So the dad inquires about what is the final process? Because Cochran wouldn't let the boy have a mask because it hadn't been through the final process yet. So to ask him, well, what is this final process? But Cochran says it's a trade secret and he can't let them into the room where I guess the final process is being done because of volatile chemicals and things of that nature and distracts him wanting to talk about sales. Chalice, meanwhile, is really suspicious of that room that they're not allowed to go in and he notices, starts noticing um, those suited guys around the premises and he tells Ellie that they need to leave and points out that those are in fact the men who killed her father. Well and it, at some point she sees her father's station wagon station wagon mm-hmm. and they block her from getting to it. Yeah so they go back to the hotel and they decide that they're gonna go ahead and pack up and leave and they even try to call the cops. Chalice goes to the hotel office to use the phone but it's conveniently out of order and meanwhile another silver shamrock ad is being played. He tries to the phone repeatedly and to no avail. Um, he returns to the room but Ellie is now missing. So he sees the suited men outside and they bust into the room and Chalice escapes on foot. So that voice on the the operator for the uh, telephone company or whatever, mm-hmm. when he calls and tries to place a call, that is often credited Jamie Lee Curtis. However, there are several reports confirmed by Tommy Lee Wallace, the director, and Jamie Lee Curtis herself that this was not her who did those voices. Hmm. Interesting, because it sounds exactly like her. It really does. <laughs> it sounds exactly like her. I, yeah. I don't know how. I don't know. It's another one of those. But you hear say, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he makes his way, or he starts making his way to the factory, but he stops at a pay, pay phone first, and even that won't work. Like, it, you know, he's getting an operator, whatever, voice message saying, your call cannot be completed as dialed and such. And so... He ends up making his way to the factory and enters a room where an old woman is sitting in a chair knitting. And so he demands to know where Ellie is. And he starts shaking her, causing her head to fall off, revealing that the old woman is a machine. But of course she is. (laughs) So he tries to run, but is met by one of the suited men who starts to punch him. And Chalice ends up punching through this guy's stomach. And and that was orange juice concentrate. <laughs> well, I always think of a small little anecdote here. I can honestly say some of the inspiration behind this show and behind a lot of people that I've met and become friends with over the years has been due in part to YouTuber Dr. Wolfila. And one of his first reviews we ever watched, it was me and our son Aiden was a review for Halloween 3 and it oh my gosh that, that had to have been 10 years ago like it was when he was first it's starting been a out a long time and I remember me and Aiden sitting in the chair so if Aiden's 15 now he would have been five years old then and hearing doctor say ew he's filled with marmalade <laughs> And I had watched, that wasn't the first video I watched, but it was definitely one of the first. And I knew from that moment on, like, this is somebody I'm going to be watching from now on. And I continue to do to this day. So shout out to Dr. Wolfila there. Or uh, Sid McClenahan, if you know him by that by that name. But um, anyway, so this uh, 
droid grabs Chalice by the head and he's screaming, or not screaming, I'm sorry. He's squeezing Chalice's head and Chalice punches him in the stomach and reveals, as he pulls his hand out, orange goo and wires. So a couple of droids and Cochrane end up grabbing Chalice and Chalice asks where Ellie is, of course, and Cochrane says he knows their true identities. Basically, he calls in Dr. Daniel Chalice and he says it'll be Halloween morning soon and it's going to be a very busy day for him. And as a medical man, he should find it very interesting. Well, and he talks about Sam Hain. Someone. Yeah, whatever. Until Jack Septicai <laughs> tells me that that's how you say it, I'm going to call it Sam Hain. <laughs> he needs the opinion of a true Irishman. <laughs> I do, but he goes through the whole ritual part of it and kind of explains... What had happened, what, 300, 3,000 years ago? Mm-hmm. Some crap like that. And I guess he, he's bringing it back around. Mm-hmm. That's the idea, is that he's 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 bringing it back. Right. Yeah, he was, he was basically talking about how all those years ago they were sacrificing children, basically. So this is uh, really no different. It's, it's, it's the same thing all over again. Stars have aligned. So yeah, basically they're going to sacrifice a bunch of children to... The planets. The planets have aligned. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we got to kill a bunch of kids because the planets are in the right order. Exactly. That makes sense. Well, I mean, if you get to part six... The Curse of Michael Myers, or whatever the fuck it's called. (laughs) It's the same thing. They say that Michael's whole reason for killing is because the stars or planets aligned in such a way that he's used as a tool to kill his family. And, you know, for as much as they try to erase this episode, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. This this edition or whatever of the franchise, they definitely took a lot out of it and ran with it. Yeah. Because the whole Thorn series comes from the Sam Hain mythos. <laughs> Whatever. It comes from this mythos. Like the next three movies all have to do with this, do they not? Yeah. So. Yeah. So now we go to Halloween Day, officially, and the droids and, and Cochran are leading Chalice to a room, to the room that uh, Chalice was curious about before, but was not allowed to enter, and they go into an elevator. So, uh, Chalice ends up being led to the room where the blue stone is, and it's filled with a bunch of scientists behind monitors, and there's different people, um, breaking off chunks of the rock and using it for these tags for the silver shamrock masks. And Cochran picks up a chunk of rock from the stone, saying that it has power in it, a force that even a particle has devastating power. Then he shows Ellie on a monitor being strapped down and Marge is in another room, dead. And then in another room, the family that showed up in the RV got the tour of the facilities. Randy Quaid. <laughs> they're being, where they're being led. And this room is set up exactly like a living room. It's a living room. It's called Test Room A. And the man is giving... Uh, being given a pad and a pencil and told that Cochran will be arriving soon. So the family is impatient, but dad says, well, Cochran's just wants his opinion about the ads, but for some reason he won't take an order from him for next year for masks, which is strange. So Cochran, they're all in the living room. The son has his mask on and Cochran tells the team, roll an ad. So we get the final ad of you know what this end game is 
on the TV and the kids watching the TV intently as the TV is telling them to do. And we start to hear hissing and in a really cool, memorable scene, the boy starts grabbing at his mask, which looks like it's melting almost. Like I said, it's very, I know Travis hates to use the word iconic, but if you're going through the Halloween series, that's one of those images that that always grabs you, is that kid grabbing at this melting mask. I mean, it's so fucking creepy. And snakes and bugs start crawling out of the boy's mouth. And the mom, which I don't, I'll never understand this, the mom passes out because I would be like, I don't know, I wouldn't be passing out. I'd be like running over there like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? But mom passes out and the dad starts screaming and trying to leave the room. First of all, yeah, I'm not passing out. I'm not screaming and trying to escape. I'm trying to see what the fuck's wrong with my kid. You know, I feel like most parents, that's how it would be. But alas, dad is killed, uh, attacked and killed by one of the snakes. There's like a rattlesnake in it there. It was a rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah. So if you're us and you're in Texas and there's a fucking rattlesnake, yeah, you're like, <laughs> I, I have myself personally had a close encounter with a rattlesnake and all I knew to do was turn tail in haul ass. Yeah, well, <laughs> here's the deal. Rattlesnake bites don't kill you that fast. <laughs> they can kill you, but not as quickly as it shows it in this movie. Right, and obviously Chalice... Can't believe what he's seeing. But he's, uh, he ends up getting led away. And we pan to the final, not the final ad, but the next to final ad that's playing. And it shows, it's like throughout the United States. And it's showing kids from all, or showing ads to kids from all different states. Telling them to get ready for 9pm. The big giveaway's coming. And Chalice's own kids are included in this. They're watching the ads. And... For me, this is some of the best cinematography in the movie. And I believe, Travis, you agree with that, right? Because oh, absolutely. Because you, you have all these orange tones and these silhouettes of kids walking, trick-or-treating. Oh, my God. You know, everybody wants to talk about the camera work done in the original film. This is so fucking good. So there's something about that imagery of sh showing children in costume walking in silhouette on a hillside or whatever that just works these these shots really good yeah yeah they're absolutely Very impactful amazing in, in terms of the overall movie feel you you get you get really the scope of what's happening yeah and a it goes through dread. different towns and it and it shows right yeah different places in the united states where these kids have got these movies like there's a pumpkin ballerina on a skateboard is that yeah. this part uh-huh. And, and that only, again, sticks to me because Dr. Wolfiela mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to buy this mask even though they have no relation to the costume that you're wearing. Yeah. But it really illustrates the overall scope of this operation. Yes. And how many people it's going to impact. Yes. And it's not really indicated that it's all over the world, just the United States, but it's, it's still even just limited to United States. It just seems like, oh my God, it's everywhere. You know, it's, it's very chilling, very chilling, especially if you're like us and have kids. But anyway, so at this point we have 
Teddy, the assistant coroner, and she's trying to call Chalice at this point, but she can't reach him. So she ends up calling somebody else, and it's not indicated specifically who it is, but she wants them to come have a look at the evidence from the car. She starts to try to call the police because it's made very obvious that she's made some kind of discovery. We as an audience don't know specifically what that discovery is, but I can only assume that she has realized whatever got blown up in this car wasn't human. And so... Yeah, you get that kind of impression that she... Even if she doesn't understand the full scope, she the jig is up. Yeah. She knows that something crazy is going to happen. And, and at the point where... Or, or has she's, happened. Or she's killed. Yeah. Because I know that's where you're going. So the final shot, the, the person that kills her, the smith that kills her, is actually the director, Tommy Lee Wallace. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> the stuntman that was supposed to do it hurt her uh-huh. during filming and uh-huh. got the drill bit tangled up in her hair. Oh, And so God. they took a couple of days off. And when they came back, the director was didn't, didn't want her to get injured again. And so that final cut, which it doesn't show it. Of her getting drilled in the head. Is it wrong that my mind went immediately to that vine where that girl is trying to eat corn on the cob off a drill and it grabs her bangs and rips them right off? Wow. Yes. Yeah, that's wrong. But (laughs) it's it's the opposite of that. Yeah. Where it's like, so imagine that we caught her bangs the first time and the second time around we got it right. Yeah. So that, that was the idea. So to prevent injury from the actress, the the director did that scene. Wow, that's crazy. So now we are told it is 7.30 p.m. And Chalice is bound to a chair sitting in front of a TV. And he asks, why? And Cochran says, for 3,000 years on Samhain, it was tradition to sacrifice children. And the planets have aligned just so... It is time to sacrifice again. The TV plays the film, Halloween, in a very meta scene, and Chalice is being watched on a monitor. And at this point, they have also put a mask on him, so presumably when everything happens to the children, it will also happen. Yeah, they give him an awesome skull mask. Yeah, it. the mask is put on him to ensure his own death. But Chalice manages somehow to kick, put his foot through the TV, right? And he takes a piece of the broken glass and cuts through his restraints. And the monitor has also now been tampered so they cannot see what Chalice is doing from their end. Well, he throws the mask. He managed, Once he gets his hands free, he managed to pull the skull mask off and throw it over the camera. Right. Which it took like 40 takes to get that right. Because apparently when they were filming, the director, Tommy Lee Wallace, he, I guess he was making light of it. Mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. and he just sort of pitched it that direction and it, he got it on the first try yeah purely by accident i'm assuming mm-hmm. and so he assumed that it was going to be an easy thing to do but it took like 40 takes for uh the actor to actually hit that wow i think i would get damn impatient by then yeah i'd be like <laughs> fuck it we just need to do something else just put the mask on it <laughs> so during this, Cochran is distracted with a phone call, you know, about sales and different stuff. And he's telling people, well, be sure to have your kids in front of the TV at nine o'clock. And Chalice ends up escaping through an air duct in the room. They do discover that Chalice is gone. But meanwhile, Chalice is, of course, searching for Ellie. And he use, he ends up calling his ex-wife while he has a minute to tell her to please, please 
get rid of the kid's mask. But because of his incessant drinking throughout the movie, and she womanizing. Has... <laughs> There's a lot of womanizing in addition to the drinking. She just assumes that he's drunk and jealous. And you can actually, you can hear her yelling at him over the phone. And it, despite, you know, his shortcomings as a human, you really understand that he's so desperate to get his kids out of harm's way. Well, at this point, he's the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Where he has, he's done it so many times that she doesn't believe him anymore. So now when it's real, she doesn't believe it. But he ends up finding Ellie and Cochran tries to tries to catch him basically they he and ellie they sneak around this uh, main room you know where the stone is and stuff and chalice grabs one of the mass tags and he sneaks up to the control board setting up an ad in the room and just as everybody's going what the fuck what's going on he takes a box of the tags and dumps them all over the room Causing them to go off, killing all the scientists and droids and droids and whatnot. How did he know that was going to work? I don't know. Like, how did he know his, and, and if you look at the movie, his box of bottomless pogs. Because he's dumping that box for ten minutes. Uh-huh. How did he know that was going to work? Maybe Cochran told him. I, I guess I wasn't very... Like, is he just super smart and I'm not? <laughs> I mean, that's possible. I'm I not mean, because we that saw out, that it happened to Marge, but we, I don't recall he him. He didn't see that happen to Marge, Yeah, though. but I don't recall him. It's like if I push these buttons and then dump <laughs> this box of infinite pods. So maybe maybe Cochran told him and maybe I just I'm missed it. Maybe I'm being critical. <laughs> anyway, the blue stone starts to glow and it creates this glowing blue circle around the dead corpses of the scientists and the droids. And... Cochran, admitting his defeat, starts to clap. Yeah, he golf at, claps for him. At Chalice. <laughs> and as um, Dr. Wolfula says, he becomes one with the Force because at that point... Well, he said he turns into like Marlon Brando's <laughs> last act he, uh, or something. But... Cochran starts to glow blue. It's very weird. It's a very weird effect here. But he starts to glow blue and then eventually he just kind of disappears. <laughs> Yeah, and... that's such a weird ending for your main <laughs> really villain. I don't understand what happened. It really is. And thus fire is set to the plant and we assume that it's going to be destroyed because there's fire set to it. It looks like there's explosions happening in the building and so forth. But um... when, they went, when they run away... You know, maybe skipping ahead here, like the the skyline behind them yes. behind the, is orange. Yes. Sort of indicating that it's on fire, but right. It doesn't. There's nothing in his action phase. That, yeah. That says that dumping pogs on these androids is going to set the factory on fire. So. <laughs> pogs. <laughs> well, that's what they are. I mean, shit. Call it what it is. <laughs> so, Chalice and Ellie they escape. They drive off and. At this point, Chalice is desperate to get help to get this thing stopped before all the all the children are killed. But for some reason, Ellie is acting kind of strange. So this is the interesting if you watch how many times she blinks from the time he gets her off that table until the part that you're about to talk about. She doesn't. And that was one of the things that, that didn't really hold water with this movie. Or it's an inconsistency, rather. Mm-hmm. Is that in the elevator when they're going up... Um, 
Cochran is bragging about how advanced these androids are and how sophisticated and all that stuff. And one of them sneezes. But if you look at it from the very beginning when they're chasing that old guy, mm-hmm. Ellie's, Ellie's dead. They don't blink. Was he really? He might not have been. <laughs> he might have been an android too. No, or I a, mean, she or a was a pod an person. <laughs> you never know. Maybe she was never his Maybe daughter. she's been an android from the whole beginning. Yeah. I just don't know what the end to that was. What was the end game for that? I, I, I don't know. Because they couldn't have known that Chalice himself was going to be the one. But if you look at you it know. before this point, she blinks like a normal human. But from the time he takes her off the table, she does not. Huh. So yeah. we can program androids that sneeze and are polite, but we can't make them blink. Sounds it's legit. fucking stupid. <laughs> like I, <laughs> you, just shut, just, you just shut your mouth now. It's just fucking stupid. We can make them sneeze and be polite, but we can't make them blink. You stop it. I know where you sleep. <laughs> anyway, so out of nowhere, she suddenly attacks him and he crashes the car into a tree. And I found a whole trivia section where they talk about what kind of car that was, but I didn't give a shit, so I didn't write it down. <laughs> Fun fact, I didn't care, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write it down. So, um, Ellie attacks again and Chalice hits her with a tire iron, revealing that she was a fembot. So the fact that she left an arm attached to the door (laughs) didn't reveal the fact that she's a fembot. But when you take her head off, I don't know. But he ends up using the, that tire iron to decapitate her. So listen, I just want to point this out. If, if Cochran had made it to the point where he could make fembots that could have <laughs> realistic relations with another human, like if it's from a money standpoint, he was missing the boat. Like he could have gone somewhere else completely with that, but that'd be a different movie. Anyway, so Chalice is then attacked by Ellie's severed arm that was hanging onto the door from Which is the wreck. Very, that's a very evil dead thing to do. It's he... like Ash's evil hand coming back. <laughs> Rip off! Sorry. No. Anyway, he, uh, he pries it off when the body tries to attack again, but the body suddenly just dies it just keels over and chalice ends up running away so he ends up back at the gas station from the beginning of the movie where ellie's dad had originally gone so we've come full circle yes and chalice bolts for the phone immediately to start calling the tv station to start getting the ads pulled and he's kind of successful at first where because there's a kid that or trick-or-treater that ends up rolling into the gas station okay so he is the he's a he's a doctor he is a phd right right at some podunk back ass of the world hospital but he has a phone number that will connect him to the person who runs all the tv stations <laughs> all at once yeah that's such bullshit Like, I can call this one person and they can shut down commercials on three different TV stations. I don't... No. So, yeah, you're meaning to tell us that there's only three different channels for the entire U.S. Okay, goddammit, I was alive then and there were only three stations. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying there wasn't one phone number for all three of them. you walked into the TV and you turned the knob on the TV because there were no remotes back then. No, no, that's not how that worked. Your dad said, turn it to channel four, and you got up and you went and turned it to channel four. I don't Um, even know if I had channel four. I think I only had channel eight as a child. You had four, five, eight, and eleven. That's what you had. But your dad told you, and you we went and were did it. Poor and if guys. it was staticky, then you adjusted the rabbit ears until it was <laughs> somewhat clear. Till you could get the news and the weather. 
So anyway, yeah, you have some trick-or-treaters that have gone in, and there's this one kid, and I believe he's wearing one of the skull masks, and for every channel that he's on, then an ad gets pulled, he just immediately switches to another channel, and then that ad gets pulled, and he goes to one final channel, and that ad is not being pulled. So then Chalice is desperately telling the TV station, no, there's still one channel left. There's still one channel left. You have to stop it. Stop it. Stop, stop it. it. Stop, stop it. it. Stop, stop it. it. <laughs> yeah. And he keeps, cons- he continues to scream, stop it until we fade to black. And that's the end of the fucking movie. <laughs> uh, so originally at the end of this movie, instead of going back to the theme song and credits, you were supposed to hear the screams of millions of children in the background. Oh, that's fucking dark. Indicating that he failed. Oh but my they God. wanted to leave it more ambiguous, and that's the reason it goes into just normal credits. Wow. Yeah, the original ending, he didn't make it. His stop it, stop it, stop it at a network exec didn't uh-huh. work. Imagine that. Wow. So. If they had left that, that would have been fucking dark, dude. I would have liked that better, to be honest with you. I think I kind of would, like, that's, too. That's fucked up. <laughs> is that, yeah, I was just saying, like, what does I'm, that say I'm about sure me? That, I'm sure that says something about me as a person that I would have liked it better. And as a parent. But I think what it ultimately boils down to is I want a concrete ending. Yeah. Like I want an ending that is an ending. Yeah. And that would have provided that, that he failed. I mean, I'm not but completely just, against an ambiguous ending, but... But when you just give me a fucking fade to black, like, ah... Uh, what? What? What happened? But... Yeah, I just don't... I don't care for that much. Again, me being a huge uh, David Lynch fangirl, um, I'm not completely opposed to ambiguous endings. Um, I am. I am not a David Lynch <laughs> fangirl. And I want a goddamn ending. <laughs> You've sat through plenty of Lynch with me and been fine. <laughs> okay, but I don't expect much out of Lynch. I'm not saying that he's bad. I just don't expect continuity or cohesion or what's another I was going to say, the continuity is there. Cohesion, maybe not. But like, I don't expect something to make sense from him. You know what? David Lynch doesn't give a shit. I know he doesn't care. <laughs> And that's why we get along. David with the good hair as, as doesn't deep, care. As deep personal friends, that's why we get along. <laughs> We're not. But So, Travis, what do you think about Halloween 3 season Oh, shit. Lynch? Watch this movie. It's a good time. This is one of those that kind of falls into that category that it's not going to change your life, but it's fun to watch. So just fucking watch it. Yeah. Don't listen to the critics that tell you it's a shit movie. Just why, you know, it's a good movie. Don't don't go into it thinking that you're going to see Michael Myers slashing up teens having horny sex. Like, because it's not going to happen. Well, at this point, You're going to get Tom Adkins womanizing everything he can get his hands being on. Being a fucking man. <laughs> He's going to use his mustache to seduce every woman <laughs> that comes within like 30 feet of him. And <laughs> I'll be honest, it works better for Magnum P.I. than it does for Tom Atkins. I'm just saying. Only if you're Monica Geller, okay? (laughs) It worked for her for 10 years. God, did I just admit that I watched Friends? That's fucked up. You tricked me. You ain't got to lie, Craig. You ain't got to lie. (laughs) But I think it's a solid watch. Um, I... You know, even if you have to, you know, spend four bucks to rent it, I, I'd say it's a watch. It's worth it. it if, if for no other reason than because of this. They didn't want to tie it to anything in the first two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then in four, 
if you've watched number four, they don't want to tie anything in, in that. But if you pick up the thread of Sam Hain. Samhain. Until Jack tells me it's different, <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's Sam Hain until Jack tells me it's different. But they pick up that thread and just fucking run with it for like the next three movies. Yeah. So they didn't completely drop this one. Yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna do that, it's worth it. If you just want to see a Halloween movie that doesn't have Michael Myers killing teens having sex, then it's worth it. I, it's a good movie. It's not. I don't know. I don't have the same opinion of this one that I did with uh, Event Horizon that we just did. Mm-hmm. You know, with Event Horizon, I liked it on the front side, and then the more I watched it, the less I liked it. And then this one's the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. The more I watched it the more I kind of liked it just because it was exactly, different. Exactly. Exactly. But it was because it was different. It Because right. it wasn't your typical slasher. It didn't follow that formula. And it, it just, it kind of went its own way. Mm-hmm. And for me, creativity counts for a lot. It's almost more of a science fiction than it is a horror. Like there's another, yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's another Halloween coming out, right? Mm-hmm. That Red from Pineapple Express is doing. <laughs> Halloween and Kills. What kind of fucking title is that? <laughs> Of course, Halloween kills. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. It's not your typical slasher bullshit. Yeah. And I don't like slashers. That's not a secret. And I think the more we get into the Halloween series, the more you're going to not like me very much because <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to have really awesome opinions of the movies that follow, especially when we get to age two when we talk about Josh Hartnett. I'm like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck him and his haircut. And the horse he rode in on. <laughs> he just needs to stick with Black Hawk down and f- <laughs> But You like 30 days of night, though. Okay, that came 10 years after this. Anyway, maybe not 10 years. But, <laughs> but I don't know. If you just want something different, watch it. It's worth it. It's not It's not part of Halloween canon. It's just it's an experience. Do you, what do you think? Well, as somebody who does love the slasher genre, that is, that is my thing. I'm not typically into i mean there are other genres i like but honestly slashers are my favorite personally but i did appreciate that they were trying to go off and do something different and do something that was their own because there were obviously a lot of things in halloween 2 that john carpenter didn't he he kind of felt pressured to do um he really didn't want to make halloween 2 so um, so Sorry, but while you're saying that, like, you got to appreciate that Mustafa Akkad, and I'm probably saying that wrong, was sort of the the uniting force between all the Halloween movies, right? Up until his death and the Negus's son took over. Mm -hmm. But I really feel like, was it you said Don't Speak Ill of the Dead? Yeah. He really changed what the series could have been. Because he was always a big fan of Don't Fuck With The Formula. Right. Like, he was the prototype for what's the movie Scream was speaking against, right? He made those rules almost. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they did this movie. Yeah. Just because they don't follow Akkad's rules. And I kind of feel like he's the one that made those rules. So anyway, sorry. Well, I mean, if a lot of people credit Halloween for being the first slasher movie, when in fact, that's really not true. If you want to go to the granddaddy of slasher movies, that fucking starts with Psycho. And then it's further explored in Black Christmas. It's just that Halloween perfected that formula. So it was the com- the first commercially successful version. Um, I don't know for sure. I know that Black Christmas was pretty uh, popular in its own right. I'm not personally a fan so much of that movie. I know I'm going to get some hate for that. 
but, and we, you know, we touched on this last week where we said, you know, everybody and their mom has talked about Halloween ad nauseum. And I will agree with that 100%. There's nothing we could tell you about Halloween that you don't already know. Everyone has talked about it. And, but that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate that film. Obviously, it has its place in history for a reason. And John Carpenter is one of the most brilliant directors that there are there. Halloween just happens to not be my favorite film of his. Now, if you want to talk my favorite film of Carpenter, it's easily the thing all day long, followed by They Live, and then maybe Halloween after that. Okay, but Halloween 4 beat They Live in the box office. So I here it came out. don't care. <laughs> Carpenter came up with a fantastic idea, uh-huh. and this is my take on it. He had, a, he had a great idea. I think the first Halloween was good. He didn't really want to do Halloween number two, right? Right. But he did it anyway. Right. So I feel like he started it and the direction he wanted to go was probably good. And then the studio got a hold of it or a distributor got a hold of it. I don't want to blame it all on Mustafa Akkad, even though he was the name attached to what all the ones that came after. I think so. I think. I don't know exactly what film he really started having a hand in it. Well, we'll get into it in number four after it may have been number four. and Debbie. Uh, Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill. Mm-hmm. Gave up her the rights to it when uh-huh. he really Akkad really took over after that once they yeah. gave up the rights to it yeah and and turned it into every other Friday the Thirteenth Nightmare on hey, Elm Street hey, hey, hey. type of slasher movie don't don't you talk shit about my movies I really would have liked <laughs> to have seen how this movie would have ended up if John Carpenter's vision of it had been followed through you mean the anthology yeah. formula yeah that would have been interesting to see for sure yeah there are some people that like. You just wonder if, if they had the funding and you could get a studio behind it, what would happen if you just let their imagination run wild? And I don't think that with all of them. Like, I could give a shit where Spielberg's imagination goes. I don't care. George Lucas, his went to Star Wars and, and then he redid them and fucked it up. But <laughs> he raped Indiana Jones, according to South Park. But with guys like John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, like, you kind of wonder where would it have gone without that... Some Input. great lines for fucking you know sure. I mean? Yeah. Where where would we be right now with it if no one had gotten involved? If there were no hurdles for them to jump, mm-hmm. where would it be? Yeah. I really. What would like avenues to see. would they have explored? I really would like to see that. Now, I will say that in the new Halloweens that we're not going to cover, obviously. Um, Maybe think, eventually, just not I right now. Red from Pineapple Express, and I keep saying that because I don't know his fucking real name. Danny his, McBride. Danny McBride. His wasn't bad. I actually liked his better than Rob Zombie. I'm kind of anxious to see what the next one looks like. I will also say that having said what I just said, and y'all probably heard me hate on Rob Zombie a little bit, that we've watched some reviews since we're gearing up for our Halloween season. It makes me feel like I need to rewatch the zombie versions and reevaluate my opinion on them. But, you know, I'm anxious to see what a fresh take looks like on this. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the the ones that happens in, in the early to mid-90s were the lowest grossing in the bunch, and I think that's probably for a good reason. So it's going to be interesting to revisit the ones that were not a part of that. Right. So you're going to let me finish my opinion Yeah, I'm going to let you finish. Goddamn. <laughs> anyway, so I, you know, this this film is apparently still very divisive, especially with um, Michael Myers fanboys that are just, no, we only want Michael. That's and it. Us. Uh, we don't We don't want any other part. I, I love this film. I do. 
Like I said, I watched it the first time and I did the same thing. Where the fuck's Michael? What the hell's going on? What did I get myself into? And then, yes, as an adult, re-watching it and re-evaluating it, being like, this movie's pretty fucking bleak and terrifying if you really stop to think about it. You just have to evaluate it on its own merits. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yes, if you hadn't attached the Halloween name to it, I, I don't know what would have happened. People say that all the time. Just don't go into this thinking it's a Halloween film and you'll like it. But I don't know if that's entirely true. But I will say, no matter what it's in, it's a good fucking solid movie. Sure, it has its faults. Sure, it has some silliness and some inconsistencies. I don't care. I don't. I don't. It's a good fucking movie. I love it. If I'm doing a Halloween marathon, you bet your sweet ass I'm going to include it in it. So would you say it's fair to say that if you're going to watch this movie and you've never seen it before, take the Halloween moniker off of it completely and watch it as a really different sci-fi horror movie? Maybe. I don't I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think of it in those terms. I think of it as it's in the Halloween series and I'm going to watch it if I'm watching, you know... All 25 Halloween movies. <laughs> Resurrection not included, of course. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck that movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who was in the theater with me? Like, how many times did we go watch Resurrection when it came Talking out? Talking about Wai Chung Lee? <laughs> we saw that movie several times, so. I watched it because Tyra Banks was in it. You. And then I realized that that was not enough reason to watch that movie. You loved that movie. Even Tyra Banks can't because, save that movie. Because of one scene at the beginning where Jamie Lee Curtis was supposed to be in her room and Michael Myers busts oh, through Oh, God damn. When he headbutts through that door. <laughs> you were oh, like, oh my God. <laughs> So, okay, if you're going to watch the movie, watch the first 15 minutes and then turn that fucker off because it's not good after that. It's not good when they kill Jamie Lee Curtis. Like. Okay. And then the main character, what's her butt, Sarah, whatever. Fuck her ass because okay, she's horrible. Soon after he had butts his way through the door, turn it off. <laughs> and then watch the next one after that because that's, that's where you need to be. And for the record... I actually really like the Rob Zombie movies. I know a lot of people shit on those. I know people shit on Rob Zombie movies in general. I am a Rob Zombie fangirl. Like, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I love his style. And people will say, well, he's more style over substance. There's a lot to be said for fucking style, though. And his style is beautiful. And I'm not talking about all the white trash brother cousins, that kind of thing. I'm talking about purely cinematography if you if you don't have a better example go fucking watch lords of salem because that is some kubrick shit if i ever saw it so i feel like i need to rewatch the rob zombie halloweens with different goggles on i don't know if that makes sense or not but like i said in prep for this we've watched a lot of commentaries and that sort of thing and, and there's been a couple of them that have pointed out shit in the rob zombie movies that i really hadn't considered before for me rob zombie was always white zombie Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that, because that's... Uh, well, yeah, I'm only three I'm years younger than you. <laughs> that, that's who he was. He was white zombie when he came out, and then he went solo, right? Uh-huh. That's just who he is. And I'd, I'd never been... When his movies came in, I, I couldn't reconcile those two personalities. This is music Rob Zombie. This is movie Rob Zombie. Um, and I really struggled with that. But but I, again, having watched these commentaries, they've given me a lot to think about. And it's kind of like this movie that we're viewing right now. You know, maybe watch some reviews and then give the movie a watch and think about it. 
mm-hmm. because I'm I'm been forced into a position where I'm having to reevaluate <laughs> what I think about Rob Zombie's I'm movies. Not, I'm not forcing him to do shit. For the record, you're doing it. <laughs> He's along for the ride. <laughs> I, I I feel like I need to reevaluate how I have always viewed Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. Lords of Salem will be shit. No. Forever. No. To me, I just don't like that movie. You but don't like the the subject matter. I, I don't know about that, but I just don't <laughs> like that movie. But You're like, like, I will openly admit it. The first time I watched Lords of Salem, I'm like, oh my God, am I going to hell now for okay, watching are we, this? Are we talking about <laughs> openly admitting things? Is that what we're talking about right now? Sure, why okay, not? I will openly admit that I watched Rob Zombie's first movie. Was it? Uh, House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah, because his wife is in it. <laughs> Just because she's our get-out-of-jail-free card. (laughs) Oh, God, she is. For both of us. (laughs) For both of us, admittedly. But I think the longer that drug on, I kind of latched onto that. Like, oh, my God, he's got to fucking stuff his wife into everything. And, yeah, she's not hard to look at, but she doesn't make a movie. She doesn't make a movie good. And that's that's what's important. She does not make a movie good. I would argue, again, her performance in Lords of Salem is but that's really not part of understated. that's not part of this canon. No. And so when they forced her into into the Halloween series, that's kind of how I felt. Like she's easy to look at, but she doesn't make this a good movie. And I, I thought just her couldn't... performance was pretty good. Like her her suicide scene, for example, was really heartbreaking. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying I couldn't mentally, for me myself, couldn't get around that. Like I guess I just kind of looked at it like, okay, so here's another movie he's shoving his wife into because he he feels like he has to. Or because he wants okay, to. Okay, if you made movies, I'm ab- you you're going to be in every damn one of <laughs> okay, them. Okay, then. But I think I judged the entire content of the movie based on that one choice. I guess that's where I'm going with yeah. this. And I feel like I need to rewatch those movies now and reevaluate my initial impression of those movies. Yeah. So at some point, maybe we'll come around to those. And I may change my opinion of the Halloween movies that were done by Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I will, but it's possible <laughs> that my opinion could change. So, <coughs> on that note, yeah, there's... We got way off topic. There's the a lot of, day, of divisiveness. Fucking watch Halloween 3. There's a lot of divisiveness between, the you know, where people stand on the Thorn trilogy. Um, there's a lot of people that love Part 4, myself included. A lot of people that fucking hate Part 5, myself included. And you get to part six, where it's kind of half and half. You have a lot of people that love it, myself included, and a lot of people that hate it. Which one is it? It's got Paul Rudd in it. Part six. I love that one. <laughs> no, you don't. Just because it's got you Paul Rudd in it. You so he's, do not. It's Ant-Man. He's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, but our point being, watch part three. Make up your own damn mind. You know, we said this when we were talking about the, the new Candyman sequel. Make up your mind. Stop letting people determine what you watch okay watch it make up your own damn mind be your own person part three is fucking good halloween three is a good fucking movie just don't walk into it expecting to see michael myers because you're not going to exactly but don't judge it based on that exactly so anyway it is late we are tired we're drunk we're a little bit drunk So maybe you're a little bit. <laughs> we're gonna wrap this up, and yeah. So next week is part of our month of Spooktober. We're gonna move on to part four, and again, this is one that is loved by many. God damn! I can't believe we're going all the way to H two O. 
Can't believe you're making me review a Josh Hartnett movie. <laughs> That's not 30 Days of Night. Anyway, and this is the return of Michael Myers. So expect some fun from that. And before we go, I want to go ahead and give out our shout out to our content creator of the week. I missed last week, so I'm a shithead. You are. <laughs> But this week, I had somebody in mind. I had, I even a few minutes ago had their stuff pull up, but I have since had a change of heart. And since I have brought up his name multiple times in this episode, I want to shout out once again, please, 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 please go fucking look up Dr. Wolfula, please. And if nothing else, it's because he loves Halloween. He loves Scooby-Doo too, but he loves Halloween. And he has done so much extensive research and has made multiple videos and re-reviews of these. And they're hilarious. They're very informative. If you didn't know something or just want to sit back and have a laugh, relive the series again, there's nobody that knows this series better than he does. So please, I urge you, go to YouTube Look up Dr. Wolfula. Look up Dr. Wolfula Halloween just to get you to those. And I promise you're going to get something great out of it. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I even enjoy his reviews because it's it's an unbiased review. This is not somebody that's getting paid to say good things about a movie. And mm-hmm. he gives us honest feedback, and I like that. And he does like the movies, I think, for the most part. But it's just, I, I don't know. It's hard to plug Dr. Dr. Wolfula. He just does what he does. Yeah, he's his own thing. He doesn't give a shit if you like it or not. Right. And he just says what he thinks. And I'm I'm proud to call him a friend. We've we've spoken over the years. We've have done uh, done work for him in the past. Um, He's a great human being, a great reviewer, great YouTuber. Please check him out. Yeah. And when you sign in there and you pull up the first video on YouTube and you see that it's a guy in costume, don't turn it off. Like it looks a little cheesy and a little kitschy, but it's good stuff. Just watch it. So, anyway, on that note, we will be back next week for Halloween 4. Sorry we rambled on for so long. (laughs) So, we'll see you again next week, guys. Adios. Bye, guys. This email. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Hey, guys. It's Friday. You know what that means. Welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm drunk. Uh I'm Travis. (laughs) So on this episode, we're going to test how many, how much Johnny Walker I can consume and still record a podcast. Okay, so when you get over your giggle fits, we'll uh, we'll try it. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So what are we covering this week? <laughs> I'm not ready. Stop. Stop. Stop, stop, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it!